Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Amen, amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Alba, and today I have the privilege and honor to be able to share the Word of God with you guys. And I would like to get right into it, if that's okay with (laughs) y'all. So Pastor Pablo has been talking to us about the power of the real gospel. Amen? He was talking about, to us about how the content of the gospel of Jesus Christ does three things in our lives. Do you guys remember? They all have the letter R. What are they? Redemption, renewal, and restoration. Right? And last week he spoke about redemption. And if you missed last, last Friday, you can just get the recording from Ryan. But today, I would like to talk to you guys about the second component of this, which is renewal. Say with me, renewal. renewal. The renewal of our minds. Amen. So let's go ahead and close our eyes, and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you so much that you give us the ability to come and hear your word and be transformed. Say with me, Lord God, I believe you'll speak to me tonight. I believe that when I hear your word, I will understand that. It will become revelation to me. I will treasure it and I'll obey it. Your word is healing to my bones and strength to my soul. We thank you, Lord, and we just pray that your spirit will move in this place powerfully, God, and that we will hear your voice. And in Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a round of applause. Amen. So, the moment that you and I decided in faith to give our life to Jesus Christ and ask him to be our Lord and Savior, our salvation was immediate. Amen. Romans 10.10 says, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus rose from the dead and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So salvation is a gift of grace immediately given to us the minute that we ask for it. So when people pray that prayer of faith and and they say, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and be my Savior, they they get the benefits of the Savior immediately. But many times people... Neglect the, neglect the benefits of the Lord of Jesus Christ over their life. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. When you give your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get the benefits of the Savior right away. But a lot of people forget that there's also benefits or neglect the benefits of him being the Lord of their lives. Jesus doesn't just want to be your Savior. He also wants to be your Lord. And he doesn't want to be your Lord because he's some sort of power, thirsty, uh, I don't know, overprotective king that is trying to reign over the earth. Because first of all, he already owns the, the earth, the world, and the earth is nothing but his footstool. But the reason why he wants to be your Lord is because the only two other options of lordship over your life are the devil and yourself. And both of those are pretty bad. I think, I think we, we can, it's pretty obvious that having, that having the devil as your Lord is a really bad deal. Would you say that? It's like purchasing or like spending a fortune and buying, uh, let's say, a, it's, like, it's like spending a lot of money and buying an exact copy or an original copy of the Mona Lisa. It could be very original, but it's still a copy and it's worthless because it's not the original design. 
And that's what the enemy offers to those that are under his lordship all the time. A fake, wordless imitation of the perfect plan that God has for your life. It's nothing but a fake. That's exactly what the enemy constantly wants to do in your life. And he offers you this. Look what John 10.10 says. The devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and life in abundance. Think about the things that the devil has already stolen from your life. Maybe your joy. Your peace. Maybe you're always worried about things. Maybe a family member that walked away from your home. Maybe your purity, your innocence. The devil is a pretty bad Lord. He makes a really bad Lord. And you know, he gives you weekly distractions so that you forget about that daily destruction he's doing in your life. Do you know that? He doesn't want you to notice what he's doing on a daily basis. So he keeps you occupied every weekend. But for some reason, when the, when the weekend is over, there's something in your life that is missing again and again. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because that's what he does. When the, the devil is the Lord of your life, that's all you will get, a fake copy imitation of what the Lord really wants to give you in your life. And you might say, well, no, no, the devil's not my Lord. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. I thought he was going to want the devil to be my Lord. Well... If the Lord, if God is not your Lord and the devil is not your Lord, then we are just left with the third option of a Lord. Who, what is it? Yourself. Say it with me. Myself. Say, I don't make a pretty good Lord. Nana, no, no, tell the person next to you, I don't make a pretty good Lord. And you know what? God agrees with you. <laughs> he told my God agrees with you. You don't make a good Lord of your life. Let me tell you what it looks like when we choose to be the lords of our lives. You know, when you are the Lord of your life and you leave God outside of the equation, your life is bound to the world's value system. And last time I checked, the values of this world are pretty messed up. You just need to look at the news and realize the things that people are constantly fighting for or fighting about. You can see pretty, it's pretty evident how that the evil has infiltrated our families, our churches, our schools. Yes, there's, there's all kinds of infidelities and betrayal going on. Why? Because he has infiltrated every area of our lives. When people lord over their own lives, they are humanistic, materialistic, and relativistic. And what are all these istics that we struggle with? <laughs> Well, when somebody's humanistic, these are people that are concerned only with themselves. They're selfish. They focus on what they want. They are their own gods. They believe that there is no absolute truth. That what is good for you is good for you. And what you think is right for me is right for me. And that sounds really nice and very American and very politically correct. But it's wrong. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. Look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah 17.5. It says, curse is the man that relies in the strength and wisdom of another man. And turn their hearts away from the Lord. You know, the wisdom of man, the wisdom of man throughout history has proven to be really bad. That's why we had a Hitler that thought that it was his duty to wipe off a whole race from the face of the earth. 
That's why we had settlers and conquistadors that came to this country and shed the blood of millions of natives. Why? Because these people, you know, we have had homicides, uh, homicides, genocides, civil wars, abortions, all this type of evil. Why is there so much evil in the world? Is it God's fault? No. It's the results of people that decided that they got to be the lords of their own lives. And because they lord over their lives, they live according to their decisions and their wisdom. And those are the results that we get. No wonder the Bible says, curse is the man that relies on the wisdom and strength of another man. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But let me tell you something. There is an absolute and perfect truth that you and, not, you and I can trust and can live by. And his name is Jesus. Say with me, Jesus. He is the absolute truth. He is the one that we can point our lives towards. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no space for humanism when there's Jesus in our lives. Can you say an amen to that? You know, it's so funny. I was thinking about this, how, like, when people are the lords of their own life, they're usually people that think that they're super awesome. And like that, everything that they got is based on their own strength, and they're really good. And, and, you know, I got everything I got in my own strength. You know, I don't even need God for this. And they think they're very successful because they think that everything they've done and all the success they have was without God. But they can't even make their own heart beat. And they can't even make their own air to breathe. But they don't need God. You know what? At our very best, we're just freeloaders of God's resources and power. If you can make your own heart beat, then your success is not your own. It was given by God, the father of lies from whom every good thing comes from. So there's no such thing as not needing God. Everything belongs to him. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. But that's what the values are. The value system of this world does. It teaches you and encourages you to live a godless life. A life without God. Without God. That, that, that you will not consider or trust him for any decisions that you make. That you will follow your heart. Have you guys heard that before? Just follow your heart. And people feel so like amazing when they give that advice. You know what? Just follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? You know? When the Bible says that your heart is the most deceitful of all things and is full of wickedness, how are you going to go ahead and follow your heart with that guy? Did you know that, that your heart is deceitful? Instead, you go to the absolute truth, Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? You know, <laughs> we got to trust in God. We got we to consider him for every decision of our life and not ignore his instruction because the world and society has ignored the instruction of God for their lives. That's why we have so many children abandoned. That's why we have AIDS. That's why we have broken marriages and divorces and cheating and infidelity. Why? Because a bunch of people decided they wanted to be, to be the lords of their own lives and follow their own heart and follow their own decisions and their own instruction. And because they were too wise in themselves, foolish in themselves, in themselves, they're cursed now. Curse is a man that relies on the wisdom of another man. I don't want to be my own Lord. We're not a pretty good Lord. Tell the person next to you, I'm not a good Lord. I'm not a good Lord. Tell them. Like you mean it, I'm not a good Lord. 
You know, what we need to be or what we need to do is we need to stop being a godless generation and start becoming a God-filled nation. Amen? Come on. I believe that. I believe that. I believe it today. We need to exchange our godless ways of thinking and replace them with spirit-filled thoughts. And that's what renewal is. <clears throat> that's what renewal is. That's what this discipleship is all about. Say with me, I want discipleship. I need discipleship. If you do want discipleship and you want and you need it and you know you do, then fire your current mind, landlord, and let the mind of Jesus Christ move into you today. Amen? <laughs> Come on, praise Jesus. Look what Philippians 1.6, uh, what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. Uh, Paul is giving the people from Philippi some advice. And look what he tells them. I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day when Jesus Christ returns. What Paul is saying right here is that since the day that you gave your life to Christ, God began a good work in you. And the good work that he's talking about is not salvation. Because we already know that salvation is immediate, right? You get it by grace, not by works. But the good work that God began in you is the transformation of your mind. The sanctification of your life. And that is a process that you and I willingly have to step into every single day of our lives. That's discipleship. Say, I need discipleship. Discipleship is putting our lives back into the order of God. When you don't have discipleship, you go everywhere. Again, you're the Lord of your life. But the minute that you decide to make Jesus your Lord, you are saying, I need discipleship. I need renewal of my mind. I need to change my thoughts for your thoughts, God. Discipleship is seeking God's will first. Before your own will and your own desires. Has anybody ever had to do that before? Is it easy? I'm going to show you how it can be a little easier. Okay. Discipleship is seeking God's will first in every decision you make. And allowing him to decide for you in every area of your life. Every area. Your finances, your emotions, your job. Not just one little part of you. He's either the Lord of your whole life or he don't want nothing to do. I don't know anybody that likes to date someone that says, well, I'll be with you only on Saturdays and Sundays. But the rest of the week, I don't know, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't, think, I don't think you want to date someone like that, right? Well, what makes you think that God wants to do that? Right? He, he wants to be the Lord of your life completely. And when you do this. When you enter into a discipleship in your life and you allow the will of God to prevail over your will, the result of this is the life that John 10 talks about. The life in abundance is the result of it. God wants, Jesus didn't just give us salvation on the cross. He didn't just give us salvation. He gave us the ability to have a full and blessed life. A full and blessed life. We don't have to wait to go to heaven to feel like we're in heaven. Just ask my husband. He's in heaven every day. 
But you're in heaven? So if Jesus died for you to have salvation and have an abundant life, check this out because this is the part that is like, mm, if Jesus died for you to have salvation and abundant life, why are the lives of so many Christians, why do they so many times look defeated? If he died to give us abundant life, why do we look defeated so many times? As the person next to you, why do we look defeated? Like with the puzzle in your mind, why? <laughs> well, let's look a little bit into, into let's, let's look at the example of the Israelites to see if we can get a little bit of insight into why. You know, in the book of Exodus, we read the story of how God freed the Israelites from slavery to Egypt. He sent them a savior, Moses. And Moses freed them, took him out of Egypt. And God told them, God gave them a promise that he was going to give them a land where they can enjoy their freedom and where they were going to have everything they ever needed. And this, this journey to this land was supposed to take only 11 days. But it ended up taking, does anybody know how long? 40, not 400, 40 years. An 11-day journey turned into a 40 years journey. Why? Because of their wrong mindset. Even though God has set them free, they were still slaves in their minds. Think about that. Let that sink in a little bit. They were still slaves in their minds. How, how, how so? You know, it wasn't even their enemies that stopped them from entering the promised land. Because they never even tried. They never even tried to fight them. It was their own slaved mind, their own mind full of fear that betrayed them. And that stopped them from going forward and possessing that which God had already given them. It wasn't even their enemy's fault. It was their own mind. You know, they never went for it. I want you to think about how many times, how many times you have not gone for it when God told you to go for it. And don't put it on the devil. Because sometimes the worst enemy is here in our minds. The Bible shows how after God took the Israelites out of Egypt and they started walking into this journey, even after he set them free with powerful, in a powerful way, even then they were always grumbling, complaining, always whining and, and saying that they'd much rather be in Egypt again. All the time complaining, bitter, always negative. They forgot really quick what God, where God has had God taken them out from. That's what your mind will tell you. You've been following Jesus for so long and he hasn't come through. And you're like, I remember at least when I was in the world, I was having fun. Really? With those hangovers that you never remember what happened the day before. But you, you're pretty sure you had a lot of fun. Just like the Israelites, we kind of remember that we were better off in Egypt. God is saying, really? Have you forgotten so, so quick where I got you out from? And you know, the Bible says that when the Israelites arrived at the entrance of the promised land, even though God had, had given them a promise that, that they could go and possess the land because he was with them and he was going to fight for them, they still didn't go for it. Instead, they decided to use their own wisdom and they sent 12 spies to check out the place. And you know what happened? 
when, they, when these 12 spies came back, 10 out of them gave a really bad report. Bad enough to scare the people. And the people didn't even want to try anymore. Think about this. God got them out of Egypt. He showed them their, his power. He gave them a promise. They got to the place of the promise. And all of a sudden, their trust turned back to themselves. I think we got to check it out. I mean, God said he's going to fight for us, but mm, let's check it out. And that, that was their mistake. Their minds were not renewed. They were still trusting in themselves more, in the, more than in the promises of God. And because of that, it took them 40 years to possess the land that God already had given them all along. It was theirs. The minute that God said it's yours, it didn't, it didn't matter if there were giants in that land. When God says something is yours, it's yours. And he will defeat those giants for you. He just wants you to go and take possession. He has given us every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realms. Blessed and praise be to God, the Lord and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realms through Jesus Christ. There's blessings available right here for all of us. But it requires a renewed mind. And you know what? God is telling some of you guys today, how long are you going to take until you go and possess the life that you know I died for you to have and the promises that I've been telling you that I have for you? How long? It's up to you. Jesus said, it is finished. I'm done. My job here is done. You have an inheritance. Did you know that? An inheritance that Jesus Christ gave you. On the cross, he recovered the blessings that Adam gave in on the garden. Adam gave away the blessings through his, dis his disobedience. And Jesus recovered all those blessings for you through his obedience. When he was in the Mount of Gethsemane. So he's saying, how long are you going to take before you possess what I have given you already? How long are you going to stay enslaved in your mind, pretending that you're working in freedom while your mind is still enslaved to your old ways of thinking? We are not free completely until our mind is also free, until our mind is also renewed in Christ. Amen? I'm not mad. I'm, really, I'm not mad. I'm just really passionate about this. Look at what Romans 12, 2 says, guys. And I know some of you guys know it by, by memory, so you can say if you want to. It says, do not copy the behavior and ways of thinking of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and Perfect. Say with me, good, pleasing, and perfect. That sounds like a good deal to me. That sounds better than all those other times that I've taken decisions under my own will. I got the results I got were the total opposite of that. You know, God is more interested in changing your mind than in changing, than in changing your circumstances. I'm going to say that again. God is more interested in changing your mind than in changing, than he is in changing your circumstances. Because think about it. Your thoughts control your life. And if God changes your circumstance, but you never change the way you think, you're just going to go right back to whatever he got you out from. Which is what the Israelites were doing. 
So God wants to change your mind. He, he requires that you put off the old self, the old ways of thinking, that you renew your mind, and that you put on the new self, which is the nature of Christ. He's saying, stop thinking like you used to. Look at what the word, look at what my, my word says. Now put on my new thinking. And then you will be able to see and taste my will, which is perfect and pleasing and good. Unless we renew our minds, we will never be able to see the goodness of God to its fullest. We're going to walk in freedom with enslaved minds, just like the Israelites. Tell the person next to you, I don't want to be enslaved. Okay, then. Then you need to renew your mind. You need discipleship. Say, I need discipleship. Say, I want discipleship. I need to renew my mind. God agrees with you. Look at what Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is saying, well, do you need a reason to trust me? Well, just as the Heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your tiny little thoughts? In other words, God is saying, I'm more awesome than you. I know it all. You could trust me. I think I can do it better than you. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And praise God for that, man, because the things that we think about sometimes, yeah? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Picarona. No. So how can you know the thoughts of God? What does he even think about? What are his thoughts like anyways? How can we know? How can we know? Where can we find out his thoughts? Where? And the word. The Bible. That's God's word to us, given to us through the Holy Spirit to guide us, to remind us and teach us what his will is. Not that just we will know it, but that we can obey it. See, it's not good enough to know the word of God. That's just knowledge. You need to obey the word of God. And that's when real transformation happens. Amen? Real transformation happens when we obey the word of God. And that's and the best example that we have is in Jesus. You know, when he was in the Mount of Gethsemane, he knew what was coming. And, he, and you guys know the prayer that he prayed, right? It says, my father... If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. I want your will to be done and not mine. You know, Jesus wasn't denying that there was a part of him that much rather not go through the plans that his father had prepared for him. Because he was going to be pretty bad. He was going to be abandoned by his father, was going to carry the sin of the world, all of our sin and the ones that we haven't committed yet. So it wasn't a fun thing to do. So part of him was battling this and he said, Father, if possible, let this cup of suffering pass, pass me. But not my will be done, but yours be done. That's what it means to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. And he literally, his obedience took him to the cross. 
And you know that, that is discipleship. That is renewal of your mind. To allow the will of God to prevail over your will. It's not denying that you have certain desires and that, that, that your flesh wants certain things. It's not denying that. But it's saying, I know, and this is what I want, but I know that your will is better. Jesus knew that the plan of his father was greater than the pain that was ahead. That's why he did not stop at fear. That's why he didn't stop and disobey. He knew that what was to come was greater than the pain that was going to be momentary. And you got to know that every time in your life when you're about to, when you're, you're facing temptation or when the struggle comes, don't just give in so easily. Renew your mind. Think that the joy that you will get if you overcome this temptation will be greater than the possible pain that you can experience or the possible loss that you can experience at that moment. I know many girls in here <laughs> that used to date the wrong guy. And I remember that I used to tell them. I'm not going to look at them. So I, and I remember I used to tell them. Because <laughs> last time, anyways. And I used to tell them, hey, that, that, you're unequally yoked. That man is not good for you. Oh, but it's because I love him and he makes me feel so nice. But yeah, but you know, the Bible says this and that. No, it's because it. I was like, okay. So what I would do is I would just go and pray and say, God, get the guy out of her life. Because I know that's your will. I don't even need to ask. He's not good for her. And I would pray like that. And I would say, God, I pray that she will feel disgusted about him. And that that relationship will give her no pleasure in Jesus' name. <laughs> and guess what will happen? She would call me later on and be like, he broke up with me. He thought that we, we better off take a break. Oh, I'm sorry. And then we would eat ice cream because that's what I used to do. Because the will of God in the long run is the best thing for us. Come on, you believe that today? And, you know, renewing our minds is not just trying really hard to do what is right. That's not where renewing your mind is. Renewing your mind is not trying really hard to do what is right. Oh, my God, she hurt me. I hate her. I want her to die. But, Lord, I forgive her. Okay, whatever. No, 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 no. Renewing your mind is a real change. Renewing your mind is saying, God, you know what? She hurt me. She kind of sucks a little bit. And she hurt me a lot, God, and I feel sad right now, Father. But you know what? I also know that I have sinned. And I know that you have shown me mercy, God. And you know what, Father? Because you have forgiven me, I'm going to forgive her too. And I'm going to learn to love my enemies. God, and I ask you that you will bless her, God. And that you will give her, Lord, the desires of her heart according to your glory, God. See how that mind is different? It's not just trying really hard to do what is right. Like, oh, my God, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying. No, it's renewing your mind. It's not trying really hard not to sin. It's changing your mind about what you think about sin. That it will be revelation to you that the sin is disgusting. That you're no longer a slave of sin. So you're out of character when you sin. That's not who you are. You were bought by the blood of Jesus, redeemed, sanctified, and justified just as if you've never sinned. So that temptation that comes your way, you must resist it. We renew our minds. Say, I need to renew my mind. Say, I need discipleship. Look at what Matthew 12, 33, 35 says. 
Either make the tree good and its fruit good <clears throat> or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brutal vipers. You brutal vipers. You brutal vipers. <laughs> you brutal vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance, abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. You know, we need to be so full of it, full of God's thinking and God's ways of thinking, that when we come to a crossroad in our life in which the, our will is battling the will of God, we need to be so full of God that our will can help but to yield to the will of God. Because it understands that, hey, I, I, I've been down this road before. I know what is best for me. I'm so full of it. I've been doing it so long. I've been trusting God so long. So when you come to that time in which your will conflicts with the will of God, what you're full of will prevail. And if you're full of the thoughts of God, then the thoughts of God will prevail. And you will obtain victory. And you will enjoy that abundant life that Jesus came to die, that came and died for you to have. Amen? We have a part to play in this whole thing. We have a, play, a part to play. We need renewing of our minds. Say, I need to renew my mind. I need discipleship. When you allow the will of God to prevail over your life, that's when you truly can say what Jesus said. Now my will be done, but yours. And it's easier that way. When you renew your mind, it's so much easier to follow Christ. So much more enjoyable. You don't walk. Your life is not a constant struggle. God didn't mean for you to have, that your life will be a constant battle. Always trying not to sin. That is not the life he has for you. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to live aloud and to live for him. When you're ready to die for him, then you're ready to live for reals. For reals. He came to give us life and life in abundance. But we must renew our minds if we want to take possession of those promises and those things that are our inheritance, legally ours, just like the promised land was for the Israelites. How long are we going to take until we take possession? And I want to finish with one thought. I know the preaching is short, but I think you got the two points. I need to renew my mind, and I need discipleship. And look at what Psalm 103.5 says. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Say it with me. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. God is using right here the example of transformation that, a, that, a, that an eagle goes through. The eagle is the only bird whose strength is literally renewed when it sheds its feathers. They call the process molting, right? Molting, when the, bird, when the eagle sheds or any bird sheds, they shed their feathers. And the, and the eagle is the only bird that through this shedding of its feathers recovers its strength. In other words, only after 
the eagle has gotten rid of those old feathers and put on the new feathers. Until then, it regains its strength to soar high and be able to spot its enemies clearly. And that's the same thing that God does when you renew your mind. When you enter discipleship, when you, when you put off the old man and put on the new man, God renews your strength so that you can soar high above your circumstances, above your, uh, above your emotions, above any problem. And you can clearly see where the enemy really is. And you can clearly see the plan of God for your life. See, it's for your own good that you will renew your mind. It's for your own good that you will enter discipleship so that you can put off the old and put on the new. He wants this for your life. He doesn't want to see you defeated anymore. He doesn't want you a slave to sin anymore. He doesn't want you struggling constantly in your life, a constant battle. He wants to see you in victory. In victory. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live it by faith in Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. So I'm going to ask you to stand up tonight. The Lord is calling. Will you answer? Close your eyes and just take a minute. Just take a minute first to ask God to forgive you if you have been, if you still have your old mind set, your old ways of thinking. If you still think the way that you thought maybe before you decided to give Jesus Christ your life. Just take a minute with your eyes closed, everybody. Just ask God to forgive you. Hey, just tell them. I'm sorry, God. I really am. I really am. I know I'm the Lord of my life because I continue to sin. I do whatever I want. And that's why I get the results that I get. That's why I'm constantly depressed, unhappy, bitter, drunk, broke. Because I have been the Lord of my own life. I have done the things that I thought were best for me. So tell them, God, I repent for being my own Lord. If you put your, your job as a priority instead of God, then you're the, you're, the, you're the Lord of your own life. It doesn't have to be a sin. It could be a good thing, but if it's taking the place of God, it's wrong. He's saying, it's really my son, Jesus, what he has done for you. Is it really worth those $17 an hour you're getting? Is the sacrifice of my son Worth $25 to you? He's not condemning you tonight. He wants you to open up your eyes and see that you're not a good Lord for your own life. That his ways are higher than your ways. And his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He wants to give you the blessings. But you must renew your mind. So take a minute. Ask God to forgive you because you've been making decisions according to your own will. And curse is the man that relies in the wisdom and strength of another man. You've been thinking all these years that you could do it without God. And maybe you wake up without even acknowledging that he's there. 
That he's the one making you breathe every single day. That the only reason why you're able to go to work is because he woke you up. And he's allowing you to breathe another day. So don't think that you're self-sufficient. That's a lie from the enemy to keep you enslaved to your own mistakes and your own decisions. God is calling you to repent and to make him your Lord. And I want to make an invitation. Actually, God gives you an invitation today. And he tells you, if you have never given your life to me, if you have never making, made me your Lord and Savior, tonight you have an opportunity to do so. So as everyone has their eyes closed, if you are someone that wants to give your life to Jesus and you want to make him your Savior and your Lord, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Is there anybody else here that wants to make Jesus the Lord and Savior? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? He's calling you. He's calling your name today. It's time to stop struggling and start really living. Say with me, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. I repent because I have been living a selfish life. I have been my own Lord. And I don't want to do that no more. Will you come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior? I give you my life. And in exchange, I take yours. Help me get to know you. Teach me how to love you. And help me renew my mind. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for people today too. That even though you are already saved. You have left aside the lordship of God. If this is you, would you come to the altar and let's pray together. Let's pray that the lordship of the Lord, the lordship of God will prevail over our own will. Come on. If this is you, come over. Come over. All the way. Really quick. All the way. I don't want to live by my own rules anymore. I don't want to do my own will. I just keep messing up when I do that. I need the lordship of God. I need your will to prevail, God. I need to renew my mind. I need discipleship in my life to bring my life into your order, God. To not live by my rules. To not live by what I think is right. I need, God, your order in my life, God. Come on, ask him today. I need, God, for you to bring order to my life. I want to submit to you, Lord. I want to submit to you, God, to your will. I want to say, like Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done, God. I want to be a disciple of you, Jesus. I want to renew my mind and put off the old self and put on you, Christ. Put on your mind, Jesus. I want to think the way you think, God, so that I can enjoy the life you died for me to have, Father, and be useful in your kingdom. Tell him, God, change me, change my mind. Give me the willingness, Father, to do so myself, God. Revelation from your word that changes me, that transforms me, God. We desire this, God, more than anything. 
We want it, Father. We want your lordship over our lives, over our generation, and over our nation, God. We want your lordship over our nation, over the United States of America, God. That you may reign, God, in every family here in Montevallo. And every young and old person here in Montevallo, that you will be the Lord. So that we can get your results. So that we can live under the value system of the kingdom and not the value system of the world. That's, what we, that's how we can fix this world, God. That's how we can bring your kingdom to earth. By making you our Lord. Not just your Savior, but our Lord. We love you, God. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In this church and in the people here tonight. You saw them, God. You see them. You see their hearts. And you see their desire and willingness to make you their Lord. Will you answer that prayer, God? Will you answer that desire, Lord? And renew our strength like the eagles. As we shed and put off the old self. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Give God a round of applause. Come on, give it loud for him. He's awesome.